The following is a production of SAK Digital Ventures. Welcome to Cigars and Sports Chicago, a place where you can sit back, relax, smoke a cigar, and talk about Chicago sports. Now, here's your host, Steve Cass. Hey, everybody, and welcome to episode three of Cigars and Sports Chicago. As you may know by the name, if you like cigars and you like Chicago sports, and by the way, we're going to broaden to some general sports tonight, um, you are in the right place. So where are we tonight? As usual, let me set the scene. We are at The Place Cigar Lounge in Downers Grove, Illinois, 5236 Main Street, as we usually are. I'm here with Phil Sullivan, as I normally are. Phil, say hi. We'll good get morning. To you in good afternoon. Good evening. What did I say? Good morning. Steve, what's going on? Oh, so many things. And Phil and I, and by the way, our new friend and guest, Trey Mack, uh, who's with us tonight, and we'll introduce him as we get a little bit later in the show. We're going to talk some bears, summary, they suck. We're going to talk some cigars with Trey Mack. We're going to be talking about COVID and sports, which is a really big deal and has been a really significant issue um, with the Bulls and now the Bears in Chicago. So I think we got some issues that we need to discuss there. And time permitting, we're going to talk a little bit of Baseball Hall of Fame. The ballots have gone out. They're due back. And Phil and I are going to tell you who's on our ballots. We'll kick around some uh, some ideas as to who should be in the Hall of Fame and who shouldn't. And by the way, we're finally on social media. So follow us on Twitter at Cigars and Sports. So go to Twitter. Follow us at Cigars and Sports. You'll find us and we'll get our huge follower count even higher. So please do that. As we normally do, I want to start out with a very important story. And, you know, it's not really a sports story. It's definitely not a cigar story. Um, But it is a story about a competition. And it's actually about a beauty pageant. And I don't know if you've heard about this story, but if you haven't, it's something really important that you need to know. More than 40 contestants were recently disqualified from a beauty pageant. And by the way, this is one of the most significant beauty pageants in the world, and it takes place in Saudi Arabia. Some of the key attributes to winning this uh, beauty pageant are things like having a long, droopy lips, a big nose, and a shapely hump. And why is that? Because this is a camel beauty pageant. Oh, I thought it was, and yes, it's not a Kardashian No, it's not. It's a camel beauty pageant, and 40 camels were disqualified for using Botox. Phil, have you heard about this story? What do you think? I did did catch this story. Uh, It's it's more than humorous. Um, This is fairly serious from what I saw. They say that uh, it's a very serious event, apparently in Saudi Arabia. A blurb on one of them. One of it was to make them look handsome. So that gets me wondering what kind of beauty contest it was um, with these camels. But, yeah, it's pretty bizarre, Steve. Yeah, I thought it was a really interesting story. And, uh, you know, if you follow camel beauty pageants, we wanted to make sure that you were uh, you were up to date. Phil, let's talk a little bit of Bears. Interesting game on Sunday, at least for the first half. 
If you watched that game, it was miraculous. We were up by six points at the half. They actually scored. Uh, Justin Fields looked pretty good. We had our man Jakeem Grant. I love that guy. You know, run back a punt in the in the longest uh, punt return of the season for a touchdown. But then the second half came, and Matt Nagy went back to his normal normal self. We scored three points in the second half and got beaten. 45 to 30. How you can be up at the half and then get blown out. And by the way, those three points were scored on a field goal with six minutes left where we clearly needed to score. And instead of going for it on fourth and one, the guy kicks a field goal. So I don't know that there's much really to talk about about last week or about Matt Nagy. That game sucked. And, uh, you know, Another one in the books as yeah we are that now that kicking that nine. that kicking that field goal I think was the stamp in uh, hopefully Matt Nagy's passport to get him out of town which can't be quick enough I believe it was ninety seven yards that was the longest punt return in Chicago Bear history which which we did have a guy named Devin Hester correct. who ran back some significant punt returns correct. the other thing about that punt return that was interesting is if you look at total yards that he ran he ran 137 yards because of all the east and west stuff as he got ramped up so that was an unbelievable play which i'm sure uh you know which contributed to him being a special teams player of the week so hey um we'll take what we can get but the real bear story this week was of course part of the dysfunctional organization and it was a story by Jason Lock and Fora CBS Sports which is an absolutely ridiculous report if you think about it if you were going to make something up it makes sense but if you look at the logic clearly it's made up so former Bears and Dolphins defensive end Trace Armstrong who was a pretty good player in his day and is now the super agent for coaches he recently got contracts a few that you may have heard of including Brian Kelly, his $150 million. Lincoln Riley, uh, he is the, he's the agent of all things of Matt Nagy. He also represents Ryan Day. And as you know, I've been predicting for weeks that Ryan Day is actually going to be the next coach of the Bears. But this report said that, that uh, Trace Armstrong is going to take over as the president of football operations for the Bears. And to me, the story doesn't make any sense. And they said that he's already met with the McCaskey family. Think about this. The guy is a super agent and his client is Matt Nagy. So he's really going to have a conversation with the organization with his client who's getting fired is currently the coach. Doesn't make any sense. It's ridiculous. And if you look at his client list and consider that agents get anywhere between 3 and 4%, the guy probably makes $20 million a year if you take a look at his client list. So I don't know what you think of uh, you know Trace Armstrong or this rumor, but I think it's absurd. I, I agree with you. The first thing I thought of, is you just mentioned it, was the pay cut. Uh, there's no way the Bears organization, as it stands, is going to pay this guy anywhere remotely what he makes as an agent. It, I agree with you. I don't think this Trace Armstrong story makes any sense for Trace Armstrong unless there's something there we're not even remotely thinking of. The other thing that drives me crazy about this whole subject with the president of football operations is, you know, you hear people talk about it and they talk about, you know, Trace Armstrong or Olin Krutz or all these other people. 
what experience do these guys have running any sort of large organization? What, because you like a guy who's an analyst on TV, that means that he's going to be able to run an organization? How about a guy who's actually run something before, particularly if the GM and the coach and the and all the football operations are going to report into him? So, you know, the only thing I can say about this subject is that obviously we're going to screw it up. Talking about screwing things up, um, quick look forward this week before we get to cigars. Um, the Bears, we found something that they're good at, and that is getting COVID cases. Because as of tonight, I am looking at the COVID list on, on Thursday I think, night. I think their entire staff, except for Nagy. So this ought to be great seeing Nagy have to run every phase of the football operations this week. Well, as of tonight, they have um, 11 guys. By the way, when I looked at it five seconds ago, it was 10 guys. But now Alan Robinson has joined the, the COVID list. So they have 11 guys on the COVID list, of which seven of them are starters. And as you just mentioned, yes, all three coordinators are also out. So Bill Lazor, offensive coordinator, Sean Desai, defensive coordinator, and Chris Tabor, the special teams coordinator, all out. So the greatest coach on earth, Matt Nagy, is now going to get to manage all three phases of the game firsthand. This should just work out great. He'll probably be calling plays. He'll probably be calling defenses. I mean, it's just going to be what, what did you say the spread was in this game? How bad can it get? The Bears are five-and-a-half-point dogs at home against the non-playoff-bound Minnesota Vikings. Uh, you know, and my answer to that is I think you should grab all the Minnesota you can at, at negative five-and-a-half before it goes to negative 15-and-a-half. Uh, with these players being out, and once again, when they realize who's got to run this team this week uh, by himself, which ought to be interesting. And let me confess, and I, be, I don't remember what your bets were this past weekend, but let me confess that, yes, I was dumb enough to um, take the 12 and a half and bet on the Bears this past week. And I was feeling pretty good going in with an eight and a, 18 and a half point lead at halftime, but still lost. And by the way, had Negi actually gotten a touchdown instead of that ridiculous field goal in the fourth quarter, might have won. Um, but I guess the moral of the story is no matter what the number is, bet never bet on the Bears. No. That's a problem. So we're done with the Bears. That's that's all we need to talk about them. You know what? This is Cigars and Sports Chicago. So why don't we talk cigars? And we're going to bring in our special guest, Trey Mack, in one second. But first, before we do that, Phil, what are you smoking tonight? Tonight I'm enjoying a Ashton uh, Magnum. It's a fairly light cigar. Uh, nice smoke. Uh, probably about a 45-minute smoke, but uh, a Connecticut blend, uh, fairly on the mild side, but uh, nice smoke. I am smoking a the Griffins Perfecto, a medium-bodied cigar. I love the Perfecto shape. As you know, I'm a big fan of the uh, El Jaco Perfecto, um, La Florida Minicana El Jaco Perfecto number two. Um, but I love these Griffins as well, so having a really good time with, uh, with that. Yeah. So now we would like to invite in our uh, special guest, Trey Mack from Aldino Cigars. He's based out of Kentucky. He does travel around the Midwest. He's got some great knowledge for us tonight. And as a bonus, he's a great sports guy, great NFL guy. So, Trey, welcome to Cigars and Sports Chicago. Welcome, welcome Trey. Fellas. Appreciate it. Welcome, fellas. 
We're happy to have you. So uh, tell us a little bit about Aladino Cigars. You know, tell us a little bit about the company. Tell us about um, what you have going on over there, what you do, what you, what's going on. So if it's a name that some aren't familiar with, it all starts with Julio Eroa, which uh, if anybody remembers the old Camacho, that, that was Julio. I mean, and it had huge success. Um, and then uh, when they sold the Davidoff, you know, we had like an eight-year non-compete so uh, while we sat out there, we were coming up with uh, another company, and we launched that called Aladino. So it's a name that not everybody's familiar with, but Julio's been growing this tobacco since uh, 1960, and so it, it's tobacco that people are familiar with. It's just now i got to get it in your hands. you gotta, you got to get the uh, Aladdin's lamp out and go back to the past, so to speak, when you smoke it. And how long have you been in the cigar business, and how long have you been with uh, Aladino? So I've been with Aladino, uh, I just say since COVID, because literally I started the day COVID started. Kind of a funny story if you want to get into that. Um, so, Go right ahead. Yeah, um, I've, been, I've known Husto for um, about six years, right when Aladino was launching. Uh, I was uh, managing a store in Kansas right next to the University of Kansas. Gusto actually went to agricultural school at Kansas State. So when Aladino was being launched, Husto went back to his old college stomping grounds just to kind of get his feet wet and get momentum going for the company. Found out that there was no cigar store where K-State was. Went on down the road to KU, came into my store, and we became friends immediately. The first cigar he gave me was a Corojo Puro. I smoked that and looked at him and said, I want everything you make. I don't care what it is. I want it all. So we just became friends right off the bat. And I always told him, like, you know, whenever this company gets to the place where you want to take it to the next level, holler at me because the, to me it's family. Like the, the Aroa family is second to none. It's first class all the way. And they've treated me super nice. I couldn't ask for anything more since day one. And he called me a couple of years ago and said, I think we're ready. Do you want to come down to Honduras? I said, yeah, I'll come check out the farm. We were down there for a couple of weeks, and he kind of gave me the vision for where they want to go, and I, I agreed to it. Called my current boss at that time from Honduras and uh, quit my job. And my boss at that time, he was laughing. He's like, Trey, you sure you want to do this? And I'm like, yeah, I mean, this, is, this company's going to blow up. Like, I definitely want to be a part of it. This is better for me. And I thought it was weird that my boss kind of laughed at me. And we get off the plane in Miami to sign the paperwork. And we're in the airport and all the TV screens are talking about this COVID thing. <laughs> and everything's shutting down. And I was like, I looked at Husto and I'm like, bro, I already quit my job. I don't, <laughs> like, I, I, don't <laughs> I got nothing to go back to in Kansas. And he put his arm around me and he was like, no matter what happens, you're part of the family. Like, we got you. And that's great. It's great sure story. Enough, like they, that's, I can't talk more highly about this family. Like they're, they're the best. So tell us about the cigar business during COVID. How has it changed? Um, you know, what's going on? You know, obviously some businesses have gotten better. Some have gotten worse. Um, you know, uh, depending on what, you know, what you do, it's been interesting. So just tell us about the cigar business during COVID. Well, n number one, it's been like a, a mini boom. Uh, the business overall, everyone I talk to in the industry, um, company-wise, uh, everyone I talk to has grown. Now, you can take that with a grain of salt, but I know that we grew leaps and bounds this year. Uh, and then the retailers, you know, the people that uh, adapted as things went, 
they did really, really well this past year. Uh, new customers, tons of new customers. Now it's our job to, you know, kind of cultivate that and, you know, not be jerks to these new smokers and actually kind of bring them along and, and share the love of the leaf, so to speak. Uh, but overall, I would say uh, conditions for everything are, is up. It, it's a strong, strong uh, feeling right now across the board. Now, that doesn't mean it's not different. It's totally different, but a lot of positivity. So what are you smoking right now? You know, and, and I guess what's hot with Aldino? I mean, what, what, are, you, what are you selling? What's selling well? Um, you know, what do you like to smoke? Talk about cigars a little bit. So what, what really popped for us this year uh, was our Cameroon. Uh, to my knowledge, uh, we're the only people I know of growing Cameroon outside of Africa. So we're not buying it. Uh, this was a passion of Julio's. He likes to do things the hard way. <laughs> but he's, he's a master at what he does, and he wanted to do Cameroon. And so it's taken six years for them to perfect it because Cameroon is a, it's got to be the most finicky tobacco I know of. But that's second to authentic Corojo, which he's already a master at. So a guy that already knows how to grow the most finicky plants, they go ahead and do the, the hardest one, do the Coro or do the Cameroon. So he starts the Cameroon. It's taken us six years to get there, but Cameroon grown in Honduras. We had it ready to go this year. And it's unlike any Cameroon on the market. Um, it's actually a little bit, it seems to be a little bit more hardy. A lot of Cameroons will crack in the winter time, And so far, I have not had any issues with that with our product. But it, it is a robust Cameroon. I mean, you're getting a full experience. Uh, but that has been a huge success for us across the board. I thought our vintage Habano would be our number one seller this year. And I was wrong. It was actually the Cameroon just took off like a rocket and that's i just came from uh uh i was just in uh, columbus ohio and then dayton ohio right before i got home and we were all smoking the cameroon everywhere i went that's what everybody was hopping on so that's that's our hot product right now and tell us about the cameroon you know how what kind of smoke is it um you know what do people say about it what are the characteristics what what i love about ours it's like a it's a balance of two things you know everything we do is based off of corojo and corojo has a natural like a kitchen spice going on it's it's spice but it's not necessarily black pepper but it's spicy it's more like a kitchen spice then you add on to that the natural sweetness that comes out of a cameroon and you wrap it around there, and you get that nice, sweet, almost dried fruit flavor along with the spice. So I, I always kind of tell people it's kind of like sugar and spice and everything nice, so to speak. <laughs> um, I like it. And then, uh, you know, and it changes so greatly based on uh, which Vitola that you smoke. So if you want more of that robust sweetness, you know, you go to the, the Elegante, the Lancero size, and you get so much more of the Cameroon. And if you want more of the spice and less of the sweetness, you go to the Super Toro, uh, which, you know, that, that's going to change things quite a bit. And the middle spot right there is the Robusto. It's just kind of a nice balance between the two. So it almost creates three distinct different smokes, all based on the same blend. Trey, one of the things that we talk about a lot, um, and we're with uh, Trey Mack of Aldino Cigars. One of the things we talk about a lot on this show is women and cigars. You know, obviously the target market for cigars is probably 98, 99% men, just how it works out. Um, at the place where we are right now, there, there are actually several, uh, women members, but you know, 
how how do you find what what's your experience with women and cigars? Do you find a lot of women smoking cigars? Why or why not? Um, is that is that a market that's at all targeted by you guys and by the cigar industry in general? Kind of what, what's your outlook there? We got we got to at least get something in on women I, and cigars. I think our industry does a poor job overall uh, targeting uh, women, and I think we approach it the wrong way quite often. Um, it bothers me when I go to some, you know, I've got plenty of stores that are actually owned by women and I, I just, it really bothers me when somebody goes to them and they like just assume that they want a lighter or a sweeter smoke. And I'm like, I mean, why, why would it be that way? Just cause they're female. Like that's a little ridiculous. In fact, most of the like um, dedicated female smokers I know are in the super full body crowd. Um, so I think social media helps. Like I think a lot of these women that are, are really active on social media are kind of changing some perceptions, but it's still a super regional difference. Uh, you know, if I go down to Florida, I see a lot more women smoking. Uh, and then like in Kentucky here, uh, on the Eastern side of Kentucky where West Virginia and Kentucky meets, there's a place called uh, fat ash in Ashland, Kentucky. Awesome. Awesome store. Anybody in that area, highly recommend you go check them out holler at Dwight for me, but most of the women, and there's a ton of women that are regulars in that store, and it's because they kind of created that atmosphere. A lot of the wives join their husbands there on a regular basis, and they're all super into tobacco. Their their knowledge is off the charts, uh, and that store, that area of the country does a really good job of cultivating that, but I don't see that everywhere, but I do see it in spots if that makes sense. Yeah, that's that's very interesting. So if people want to get in touch with uh, you, with Aladino Cigars, where can you be found on social media? How might uh, people get in touch with you? Most places people hit me up is actually on Instagram, uh, Trey Mac Aladino Cigars uh, is my handle. And, yeah, you can slide in my DMs that way. Sounds great. Phil, you have anything for Trey? You know what? All I got for Trey, and a little off from what we're talking about, Trey, when you said you were from Kentucky, I just want to say, due to the recent events, my hearts and prayers go out to all Kentuckians. I'm sure you being in sales and traveling and being in business, I'm sure there's people you know personally that were affected by that. I just want to say my hearts and prayers. I think everybody from here go out to the people from Kentucky, and I hope people look at organizations like the Red Cross and find ways, especially this holiday season, especially for kids and these families that have had their lives uh, not just upended, destroyed, and and help them crawl back. Uh, Kentuckians are salt of the earth people, and I'm sure they're going to find a way to crawl back. But once again, my hearts and prayers at this time of year, especially go out to you, your friends, your family, and everybody you knew uh, from that travesty storm. Absolutely. I greatly appreciate that. You know, being that Trey was from Kentucky, Phil, I thought you were going to be asking about his dental work or something. <laughs> you know. <laughs> um, so, Trey, do you want to hang around and talk a little football with us? Absolutely. Talk a little sports? Yes. I think we need to talk, generally speaking, about COVID and sports. This COVID situation right now is out of control. I, I don't know anyone that does not know multiple people that have COVID right now. I've got my daughter in Miami locked up in a room trying to get her back here uh, for Christmas as she goes to the University of Miami. And she told me today, I don't think I know anyone that doesn't have COVID. It's been a bunch of colleges that have closed down. And it's clearly from the variants, but it's also because all these college kids came home um, for Thanksgiving, 
spread the thing, went back, and it's only going to get worse. But obviously, it's become a huge deal in sports right now, and no deal is bigger. Just starting out by looking at the, uh, and I'm going to check the the current count, but if you look at the Cleveland Browns, um, who have 18 guys on the COVID list, they are playing the Raiders on Saturday, they were six-point favorites at, at one point. The Browns were, and now they're four-and-a-half-point dogs at home because their whole team is out, including the head coach, the quarterback, and basically everybody else. And and by the way, let's look at a couple other teams. As of right now, the Washington football team, 20 guys as of tonight on the COVID list. Chicago Bears, they're pretty good at it too. Uh, 10 guys. The Rams have 13 guys. And this stuff is only going to get worse day by day. So what do you guys think about this? And how is the NFL and the NBA going to navigate around this COVID situation as it's just gotten absolutely nuts? Well, I think the NFL's got the biggest headache because the NFL's biggest time of year is fast approaching. Hockey's got a bit of an issue, but you know, very early in the hockey season, basketball fairly early in the basketball season. The NFL's got a problem. They went to 17 games. They lost a little bit of a week they used to have before the playoffs started, so they lost that when they went to 17 games. They've got a problem, in my opinion. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. Um, The one thing that I think separates the leagues, though, is that that NFL mentality of no matter what, it's next man up, is definitely being tested. Well, the crazy thing, too, is that they expanded the practice squads this year. If you remember, they used to be 10, and now they're 16. But if you're talking about teams with 20 guys you know, or 18 guys on the COVID list, you've literally got to go out to the street and get other guys, and you may be putting them on the active roster on you know, the first. I mean, you could, you could be meeting a guy in the locker room for the first time and then actually having him be on the field, at least in special teams, the first time he ever showed up. So it's a good time if you're one of these players who is maybe in your early 20s, you know, you played college football, you're, you're trying to make a roster somewhere, you know, the training camp guys, the guys you meet on Hard Knocks, you know, the HBO show, and in the preseason, those guys have all got opportunities right now because every team needs bottom of the roster. Well, I mean, guys. You look how fast, um, how fast did it go to twenty? I believe four or five days ago it was at four, and it went to twenty. So you can bring in all the guys you want. How fast does it go from twenty to forty? How fast does it go from twenty to shutdown? Is the is the big issue? The NFL is going to do everything possible to play every single game and delay no games. And I will tell you that I, that I believe if they can pull off this weekend, that they're just going to figure out a way to just pull off every weekend. It shouldn't even really be about uh, shutting down games. If they were going to do something, they may want to have a league-wide, and I'm not, I'm not saying they're going to do this, but they may want to have a league-wide bye week to get guys healthy so you're not at least transmitting um, because you've got that extra week between the Super Bowl, and obviously everyone hates that extra week anyway. To rather just go from the, from championship weekend to the Super Bowl, and you know, but I don't know what they're going to do. They did put in new protocols today, and they went to every team has got the extreme protocols where they need to uh, 
you know, there's no indoor meetings, which I have no idea how the hell that's supposed to work in cold weather climates, uh, no eating in the same room. Uh, everything should be virtual. They can't be virtual. So they're, they're going to it. Also no visitors in the hotels and they're going to have an NFL inspector making sure that nobody goes out. They've increased the testing, whether you're vaccinated or not vaccinating to, to vaccinated to twice a day. Do they do an NBA type bubble? Do they take the team's, the four teams going into championship Sunday, do they place them in a bubble a week ahead of time? And and they're, you know, back to what you're saying, when you do it that bye week that everybody hates, anybody that tests positive on championship Sunday has 14 days to quarantine. Do you do a bubble where they're, they're, where they're guaranteed to all be healthy for the Super Bowl? That is an interesting point. And what you may want to, what you could do is you could just bubble them in a hotel somewhere and then just roll them out um, when it comes time to play. But yeah, because how in God's name are you going to have a Super Bowl and then all of a sudden you find out three days before the game, oh, Tom Brady tested positive? No, that's not going to happen. No, no. The issue with the bubble, though, is like even if you're taking those four teams, I mean, you're dealing with, you know... uh, you're looking at close to a thousand people you have to worry about. I mean, when you're adding in staff for each team, because you're going to want the staff in the bubble as well. You know, it's not an NBA roster where you're worried about you know twelve to twenty people per team. I mean, you're you're dealing with hundreds of people per team. That well, to, to Phil's point, you just may have to do it. You know, I mean, I don't yeah. know what's going to happen. But, you know, I mean, I can hardly wait to look at this list tomorrow. So let's. In, in the spirit of COVID in the NFL, oh, by the way, I want to give you your um, Chicago Bulls update this week for the show. Um, the Bulls, every guy on the team has COVID, and there have been no games, and they're going to try to play this game against the Lakers on um, Sunday. You may recognize a couple of game, a couple of guys, um, DeRozan and uh, Zach Levine, or you know, will both be out no matter what. Right now, there's there were ten guys in the protocols. Amazingly enough, they've gotten it down to eight. But the Bulls are not playing. Hopefully, that won't be the case the next time we get an opportunity to talk to them. But let's do a couple of picks, and I think at this point, in order. To look at NFL picks, you have to look at how many guys are on the COVID list. So why don't we go ahead and do that? So first of all, uh, Trey, what do you think of this game tonight? And we're uh, recording on Thursday right before Chiefs-Chargers. It is uh, the the Chargers are three-point dogs at home. Um, as I mentioned to you before, I mean, I'm going with the Chargers tonight. Uh, you know, whether that's a smart idea, I don't know. Um, and by the way, you're talking to a guy who went one and six this past weekend, so don't listen to me. But I guess, first of all, what do you think of that game tonight, um, Trey? Well, it's a, it's a hugely important game for both teams. Agreed. Uh, but I, I did put money on the Chiefs. I try not to do that as a homer, but uh, but I did. Took the Chiefs minus three. Uh, but at the same time, like I think this is going to be a war. I think this is going to be a high-scoring game, especially look at the over-under. Uh, I don't think that changes. Chris Jones being out is a big deal, but it looks like uh, uh, they got a tackle out as well. Slater, I believe. Is out. So their guys out. Yeah, so this is interesting because tonight is minimal. Chiefs have two guys out, Chris Jones and Willie Gay, and that's another thing that's going to hurt them. And, yeah, the Chargers have Slater out um, and their, uh, and, and then just uh, backup offensive lineman Quisenberry. So should not be significantly COVID impacted. Trey, have you got an opinion on this game tonight? Uh, yo, Trey, I want to ask you this. What's your opinion on... 
when we're looking at sports betting or we're looking at the NFL specifically, a lot of guys start looking this time of year. They start looking at weather, starts playing a factor. You look at the Kansas City Chiefs. How does four days between games, traveling two time zones, and playing an away game, how's that affect? Uh, how do you look at that? I, honestly, it's almost team specific. Uh, and of course, earlier in the year, you don't really have any data, but certain teams travel a lot better than others do uh, and turn around quicker than others do. And so I try to look, I need at least the first four weeks of data before I get into that. But I don't start looking at weather and everything until, you know, the second half of the season. But then I'm I'm almost like too involved into the, the weather of games. But you know, we saw last week with that Patriots game, uh, you might want to check the weather because it can drastically... Well, play. I don't think the weather in L.A. is going to be a factor. Ah, I don't think so. I don't think well, so. Trey, we haven't talked about this, but i got to tell you my new, uh, my new philosophy. I think the NFL should tell every team, you've got six weeks to get a dome. Six years. I am so... six. Excuse me, six weeks would be a little tight. Six years. Um, six years to get a dome. I am getting so tired of, and, and yes, that was an interesting game that, you know, that uh, the, the Bills-Patriots game last week, the three-pass game. Yeah, it was interesting, it was entertaining, but that's not football. That's about this bizarre strategy to somehow win the game in these bizarre conditions. I would rather see the best possible game. Everybody needs to be playing at a dome. And I think that Chiefs-Chargers game, um, it's certainly one of the biggest two games of the week. And I would also go as far to say um, probably the biggest Thursday night game in the history of the Thursday night package. Would you agree with that? Agreed. This game is huge tonight. Because I think if the Chiefs win tonight, they basically put away um, the division, and if the Chargers win, you know there, there's an opportunity for a, a bunch of people. And I think the other game that is really significant this week, um, and that I am extremely interested to see, is Patriots Colts because it. the the Patriots are obviously hot. They have forgotten how to lose. But I am just telling you that if you look at the teams in the league right now that have an opportunity to do something, I put the Colts on my list. They're not even a division leader right now. And, you know, we'll see what happens with the Titans when Derrick Henry comes back. But I'm just telling you, I really, really like the Colts. And, you know, you talk about bias and maybe not looking at the data carefully enough. Um, I've been watching that hard knocks in season with yeah. the Colts. Have you been watching it? Yeah. And if you watch that... It is so hard not to like that team. I love Frank Reich. Um, I love the guys they're featuring on that. I mean, I, I, I'd like my daughter to marry Jonathan Taylor. I mean, I love that team. But I think that's going to be a hell of a game. And that game is at the Colts. Um, the Colts are two-and-a-half-point favorites. Um, what do you think of that game, Trey? I, I think that that should be, in my opinion, game of the week. I'm super pumped about, about that game. Um, but I do have to go back to one thing you just said where you're like yep. six year, everybody's six years to get a dome. Think about this. The Cincinnati Bengals, I mean, Cincinnati gets weather. They don't yep. even have an indoor practice facility. That's, yeah, that's bizarre. That's it's, crazy. It's bizarre to think of it. And, you know, Steve and I talked about this earlier in the week, and when Steve first brought it up, I'm a lot of old school for a lot of sports. And when you think old school, you think Bears, you think weather and Packers games and Bears games. But the more I digested it, it just makes sense. To see teams 
prepare for weather instead of preparing for the opponent. There's just too much money in this league now, too much at stake. And I'm kind of all on board, Steve, with the idea of telling these teams, hey, get it done, because uh, it, it does make the game better, way better to watch. Wow. You being Mr. Old School on everything, I did not know that was your take. I am shocked that that's your opinion. That's unbelievable. Um, I'm glad to hear that. We finally agree on something like that big. So, And also, just looking at the COVID list, um, New England's got three guys um, and no one particularly notable, and the Colts only have one guy. And, you know, it is interesting. You look at some of these teams, and – it's not a surprise, and this is just another thing that we really haven't talked about, but something to consider. It's not a surprise that some of the teams that you consider to be the best organizations, you know, like the Patriots and, and some others, are, by the way, the teams that have the fewest COVID cases because clearly they are advising their guys to stay healthy, you know? And, like, for example, I'm not looking at it right now, but I'd be curious to see what... Um, how many guys that uh, that Tampa Bay has uh, has on the COVID list? I'm going to give you. A, I'm going to so, so I'm going to give you a trivia question. How many guys do you think that Tampa Bay has on the COVID list right now? Well, being that they're in Florida, two. I'm going zero. Trey, what do you got? Zero. They have zero guys. They are the only team wow, with Trey. no no one on the COVID. And you know why that is. That's because friggin' Tom Brady is basically telling those guys, look, man, we're here to win a Super Bowl. Everyone must bubble themselves. You know, here's here's what I expect you guys to be doing. I mean, that is a well-run organization that is run by, you know, head coach, general manager, quarterback, and offensive coordinator Tom Brady. And and if you don't think that has something to do with it, that does have something to do with it. I mean, they that's a disciplined thing. And it does not surprise me that, you know, organizations that have been historically bad, you know, like the Browns or like the Bears or some of these other places, have no control over over what the hell is going on, and also their players are not listening to them because clearly they are advising the players on what they need to do to stay healthy and stay on the field, and some teams are doing it well, and other teams are not doing it well. Chiefs and uh, and Chargers tonight, well, take a look. You only got two COVID cases on both sides, so it is interesting. Do you think the Bears have put Virginia McCaskey in a bubble? Um. Yeah, I'm not sure how familiar you are with the McCaskey family, um, Trey, but we have a um, 97-year-old woman oh, yeah. who is our um, who is our uh, our owner. Football czar. Um, yeah, she's the football czar, and then the chairman is her 77-year-old son. And the only business that the two of them have ever been in is the football business. And they say that they don't really like to talk about football because they're not football people. Well. Um, <laughs> I don't really understand that. I would think that if you were in a business for your entire life, that maybe you would know something about it, regardless of whether you've played the game or actively, you know, managed the franchise. But yeah, we have a 97 year old owner and it's going really well. I don't know who knows less about football, her or her son. Uh, yeah. Cause it's, it's, just, I'd actually it, say her son. What? Her, I'd say her son knows less. Um, let's take a look at some of these other games that we got. And, and, I don't know. There are not a lot of other interesting matchups. You know, you got Saints, Bucks, as you would expect, the Bucks ten and a half point favorites. Um, Packers, um, 
Ravens, and you know the Ravens are are six point dogs at home. I think we can. I think it's official that they suck. Just forget about them. Bengals, Broncos. Nobody cares about that. It could be an interesting betting game, but not worth talking about. Um, and that's pretty much that's pretty much it. The only other game that I find to be somewhat interesting is from a betting standpoint is you have Miami as a nine and a half point favorite at home against the Jets. And yes, I realize the Jets suck and I realize that they can't score a point, but that's a really big number for the Dolphins in my opinion. But you know, I think the game is tonight. Then we have the COVID Bowl on Saturday with uh, you know Browns Raiders, and then I think the featured game of the week, as we just talked about, clearly Colts Patriots matchup. Not Monday Night Football. What is Monday Night? I don't even know. It's the Bears, isn't that? Yeah. It's oh yeah. yeah, so great Monday actually, Night Football. So you know, I am, so I was hoping I'd get at least one a break from them showing Virginia McCaskey sitting in a. Skybox, but I guess I won't because on Monday night they'll stick her in her skybox bubble and we'll have to see her again. Why don't we pivot a little bit? So let's talk about the Baseball Hall of Fame. And I want to talk first of all about who's on my ballot, who might be on the bubble. Phil, we'll go to you. We'll kick it around. And Trey, we'll see if you have anything on this subject. So first of all, we got you know 10th year on the ballot which means that he potentially fall off Barry Bonds you got A-Rod first year on the ballot you got Clemens you got Ramirez so you get you know Manny Ramirez so you got those four guys the fifth guy is Gary Sheffield and I think he actually tested positive on the original one-time New York Times secret leaked test so whether he's a steroid guy or not I probably would not consider him to be one um, so first of all how do you feel about the uh, the, the steroid guys um, um, you know, the kind of the top four, Bonds, A-Rod, Clemens, and uh, and Manny. What are your thoughts on that, well, Phil? Well, uh, my thoughts on all of them is they're cheaters. And I've never had any room in my life, whether it's business, whether it's personal, but especially sports. You take a guy like Clemens, I believe he cheated to keep that career going. Um, so his fastball being wherever it was, some young guy out of college, some guy trying to to, to make it into the show didn't make it because that guy hung around. And I think it's a travesty. So yeah, I, think it's I, a good I hope they never step foot in the Hall of Fame. Yeah, I think it's, I just don't want to see it. So there's my opinion. And people that I know some people say, well, where's the proof? You know, you look at these guys' careers and these guys peaked in their, typically peak in their late 20s, early 30s, careers go downhill and you look at these cheaters and their careers excelled as they hit their mid to late 30s. It just doesn't happen in baseball. So I don't think it's hard to figure out what they did. But I've got no room in my game for cheaters. Let's put it that way. Trey, do you have a take on the steroid guys, first of all? Yeah, I do. And maybe my my take, uh, especially my age, probably changes the way I look at this. But, you know, I was – my first year of Little League was uh, 94, you know, right when the strike hit. And that – killed baseball for a, a generation of children and i was one of them like i let baseball is my favorite sport and then all of a sudden when it wasn't there yeah i had other things to do i was a kid and so i got into i got more into football and basketball and everything else and baseball just kind of i played it but i didn't have the passion for it just because i didn't get to see ken griffey jr chipper jones out there my two favorite players and it just it kind of went away, and then the home run chase came back. 
and I fell back in love with baseball. And if it wasn't for steroids, I don't know if some of us would have came back or not. So I have this weird love-hate relationship with it. It's an interesting look, Trey, and I can see your point. Baseball did go dead, uh, at least for a decade there in the 90s. But it was, once again, cheating that brought it back. It's it's a hard way to look at it. It 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 brought it back. The Sammy Sosa, Mark McGuire, the big home run thing. The media loved it. Everybody loved it. But in the grand scheme of things, at least for me, uh, it'll always be a stain for me to look at the sport that way. I'm gl- I'm glad they cleaned it up. I'm glad they've done a good job with it. The numbers have shown that they've cleaned it up. My opinion has changed a bit over the last few years because now that you see all this stuff, you know, with the sticky stuff this past year, all that spider tack stuff that, you know, we've got all these pitchers that have been using these substances. And by the way, you know, there was a story that we talked about a couple of weeks ago where Major League Baseball was using two different balls um, last year. And there was a scientific analysis from a Cornell professor who actually was able to prove that one ball flew further than the other the seams were a different depth on one of the balls so you could get a greater spin rate on one ball so i don't know what to think anymore so going back to the hall of fame thing here's where i come out on that so i go a rod no because i mean the guy got banned for a year um he, he it just really bothers me i mean great player but you know caught multiple times I don't know, just can't deal with it. So here's my surprise. I go with Bonds, yes. And the reason is because if you remember that before Barry Bonds went to the Giants, so pre-2001, he probably would have been a Hall of Famer then. He had already won multiple MVPs. You know, he was a he was a gold glove left fielder at that point. Um, you know, the, the guy was an unbelievable player. And again, if you go back and look at his numbers, probably would have gotten in without steroids. I'm a hard no on Clemens. And the reason is because, you know, kind of what you said, Phil, which is he basically extended his career. He was not very good his last couple of years in Boston, went to Toronto, hooked up with that guy, and then he became miraculously um, fantastic. And then um, I'm actually a yes on Manny. He did test he did test positive once, but you know I'm uh, I'm okay with him. Um, I just let him in. I just can't go with one size fits all, particularly because we don't know who did it and who did not do it. And then as we start going down the list. Um, I do have a couple of other guys, and you can you know you go with a maximum of ten, or you know when the voters vote, they can go with a maximum of ten. Even though Gary Sheffield has a positive test, I go definitely Sheffield in. Um, you know Todd Helton played his entire career uh, in uh, you know in in Colorado, so not. I don't know. I probably don't vote for him at this point. And then you start getting down the list with some guys like Bobby Abreu, Sammy Sosa. I'm a hard no well, look, look, from the numbers look at, and the look steroids. At my head. What about my man, Mark Burley? Here's the problem with Burley. So I'm a no on Burley. You know, he's got, I'm not, I'm not, I can pull up his numbers very quickly, but, uh, you know, around 180 wins, you know, very consistent over the course of his career. But, you know, he's a 1-3 whip guy over the course of his career. You know, he's a 3.5 ERA guy. To me, he's Hall of... I mean, I love Mark Burley. He's the only guy in the history of baseball to have a no-hitter, a perfect game, 
a home run, and a win and a save in the World Series and also win a gold glove. Like, that is really interesting. Oh, and also have a World Series ring. So I find that to be really interesting. But to me, unfortunately, if you look at the body of work of Mark Burley, he is the hall of very good. Just I just can't do it. What do you think about that? I see. I, uh, once again, I think I'm a bit of a homer when it comes to the White Sox and, and Mark Burley. I just think the guy had a fantastic career. His longevity, his longevity in games. The guy never got hurt. He was always there, a great team player, but you're right. He doesn't have across-the-board Hall of Fame numbers, but the guy was, uh, he was, he was just a good player. I just, I just, uh, and he's a good person. I don't think he cheated, but, you know, baseball, you know, if you go back to that for one second, baseball has always been a, a sport of cheating. I mean, you go back to spitballs, you go back to, I know. You know, all sorts of things. What What are they going to do in a few more years when they're going to have to deal with the Houston Astros? What are you going to do with a guy like Altuve uh, that, you know, he keeps the career going the way he has now? He'll almost be a first-year Hall of Famer. He could be. What do you do with that guy? I mean, it's a whole, whole different form of cheating. So I've got a podcast recommendation, and Trey, write this down right now. And Phil, I don't know if I told you about this. It is called The Edge. And it was done by a guy who studied the Houston Astros organization for five years, um, is a New York Times writer, and it's a seven-episode podcast. And he goes into, you know, the whole Stein, the, the, it's, it's a whole analysis of the, the sign-stealing, cheating stuff. And he's got every piece of data, every piece of analysis. He's got, you know, a couple hours of the only interview that Jeff Luno, you know, the general manager who got fired as a result of it um, in this podcast. You get so much insight on how this thing worked. And interestingly enough, although Altuve is probably the most famous guy because you remember when he was running around the bases and, you know, they said he had the buzzer under his shirt and all that kind of thing. If you go back and look at the regression analysis that they had this data scientist do do for the entire season where they went back to reconciling all the trash can bangs, there were uh, two guys that basically didn't cheat and one of them appeared to be Altuve and and I know that you don't maybe you don't agree with that maybe that does not resonate with you but go and listen to this podcast The Edge it will blow your mind it, it, it literally will be a game changer no pun intended so what do you got on some of these other guys Trey you know as you go down the list a little bit you know Sheffield Helton um, I forgot about David Ortiz and I guess you know he did have a positive test on that original test so I'm going to probably put him in because he his numbers compare favorably with the average Hall of Famer then you got you know Sosa Jeff Kent Schilling Pettit you know what do you think about some of these other guys so first thing I want to say is that uh, I think they got one thing correct that I want to applaud and that was getting Buck O'Neill in. I, that yep. was a long time coming. And the Kansas City connection there, too. Yeah. yeah, right there. The Monarchs, man. I mean, so thank God they got that one right. He definitely deserved to be in. Uh, but the guy, um, like, how about Scott Rowland? Why, why does he get overlooked? I mean... Yeah, that's, that's a good take. So let's take a look at Scott Rowland's numbers. And by the way, Scott Rowland definitely... A bubble guy and definitely a guy who could get in. So let's just take a look at Scott Rowland's numbers. He is a career 
281 hitter, um, 1,287 um, RBIs, 315 uh, career home runs, and an 855 OPS. So, you know, you look at Scott Rowland, and if you look at his um, kind of his war comparison to um, the average guy in the Hall of Fame who played the same amount of time, He's, his numbers are about 80% of them, so he's clearly a bubble guy, or he may be under. He did get 53% of the vote uh, last year in his fifth year, but I don't know. He's a bubble guy. He may get a little more this year, but you know, now that you've heard the numbers, I don't know if you have the same take, but he's a possibility. So here's my argument for Scott Rowland, um, and again, it's kind of weird for me to make an argument for him because uh, he predominantly played for two teams I really can't stand, but... That being said, I mean, that guy personified baseball. I mean, you're talking about an eight-time Gold Glove winner, um, I think seven-time All-Star. He was a ball player. Uh, And on top of that, when you're looking at a generation that was, like, engulfed in steroids, Roland was one of the guys that, as far as I know, there's never been any allegations. He just played good all-around baseball. And so maybe in, in other generations, I would say don't put a guy like that in. But I think his star shines brighter when he's surrounded by guys that are marred in controversy. Uh, to me, that speaks volumes about him. It's also the same argument I give to why I think Pedro Martinez is one of the greatest pitchers of all time because he dominated in yeah. a very steroid-hitting era, and he dominated it. And I kind of look at Scott Rowland as a guy that, like, yeah, he should be elevated because of everything. Well, and Pedro is in, and he has the numbers to be in. But yeah. I do agree with you, and I don't think anyone ever was accusing, uh, you know, Pedro Martinez of, uh, you know, of any steroids. So let's let's all talk about one more guy before we wrap it up. And this, he's the ultimate bubble guy in terms of the numbers. And you know, most people would probably tell you his politics are keeping him out. Um, but that is Kurt Schilling. So what do we think about Kurt Schilling? Hundred percent deserves to be in. And why do you say that? And by the way, just to give you the numbers, Kurt Schilling is a seventy-nine and a half career WAR, which compares positively with a lot of Hall of Fame pitchers. Two hundred sixteen wins, three forty-six ERA, a one point one three seven WHIP, which is really really good. Over three thousand strikeouts, and yeah, I mean, I've probably got to put Schilling on my ballot. He may be somewhat on the bubble if you look at the numbers, but. Um, I mean, I think I go. I think I don't listen to Schilling's politics, and I think I put him in. Trey, you had a comment on Schilling? Yeah, I think honest. If you take away um, the post his postseason success, I would be like, oh yeah, he's a bubble guy. But I mean, he's got twenty years of work. He was always solid bubble guy. But when you look at what he did in the postseason multiple times, that takes him to a whole other level. Yeah, it's interesting because that brings me to another guy that you know we don't necessarily need to debate. But you know, you take a look at Andy Pettit, who had not as good numbers um, as Schilling. Although you know the guy had certainly an excellent career, although he's never really the best pitcher on his own team. He's got the basically the best postseason pitching numbers of all time. But it's yeah. just because the guy played so many postseason games. He was in the postseason every year. You know, he was in six World Series. So he's got all these numbers. But to me, that's not good enough for him. 
So, guys, um, we are out of time on this week's Cigars and Sports Chicago, and uh, you know it's been uh, it's been fun. And first of all, I want to thank you, uh, Trey Mack from uh, Paladino Cigars. It was great having you on. It's a great talking cigars, great talking sports. It was really fun, and uh, you know hopefully you can uh, join us uh, you know join us again at some point. So thanks a lot for coming. Nice meeting you, uh, Trey. Awesome having you on the show. Man. Awesome. Yeah, and Phil, you. You were uh, you were fantastic as always, and uh, you know we finally got some good sound going over there at the place, and uh, that's all we have. So thanks a lot, thanks for joining. We'll talk to you all soon. Yes, we will be doing a holiday week edition probably next week and the following week. So um, get us an Apple Podcast or wherever you get your podcast, and that's it for this week. Thanks a lot, BYE. Sweet blossom, come on under the willow. We can have high times if you look back. We can discover the wonders of nature. Rolling in the brushes down by the riverside.